This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. The founder of this company, 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think, three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Ladies and gentlemen, Billy Hallowell and Chris Field, the Church Boys. From the sublime to the ridiculous, but mostly ridiculous. I hate these guys. <laughs> you know, you know it, it, it really is a it really is a pleasure recording with you. You're so professional. Yeah, welcome to the church, boys. We're back. It's me, Chris. It's him, Billy, and we're here. We're not going skiing, uh, but Billy is in Utah. Um, this is our first. This is our. This is our first blaze-free Billy uh, recording. I feel so free. <laughs> like free of what? Disease. Wait, what, what? Well, I woke up to go get me a cold. What are you talking? And I thought somebody was barbecuing. <laughs> I said, "Oh Lord Jesus, it's a fire!" <laughs> then I ran out. I didn't grab no <laughs> shoes or nothing. Jesus, I ran for my life. And then the smoke got me. I got bronchitis. Ain't nobody got time for that. <laughs> Sorry, I had to. Billy is. Um, Billy ain't is. Got time for that. Billy is really feeling good today because he's. <clears throat> he has, as no. as we've talked about before, he is no longer uh, at the Blaze, uh, which is I'm fine. Like we're, still, we're still doing the show, and he is now going to be. He is now an employee at Desiree. Desiree. We're, alleged, we're allegedly doing the show. No, we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> we're I'm doing, doing it right with a uh, ghetto headset, but yes. yes, we're doing it. So if you're wondering about the professional audio fidelity of this show, uh, you can blame Bill. You can blame. <laughs> you can blame me. Actually, we'll blame my wife once again. Uh, for the tardiness of the show, but we can blame Billy uh, for the low quality audio. It nor- I'm as not normal. Sure about that. And I'm not usually, sure because and, and usually the audio. Yes. Well, I had the microphone. <laughs> it was out on the bed along with all my clothes as I was packing, and my kids distracted me this morning, and I left the microphone. So technically, mm. if we're placing responsibility, it's partially on the children. Okay, blame the kids. I'm I'm into blaming children. Uh, so <laughs> Billy is actually in Salt Lake right now, and he was supposed Hold to back, supposed to. Your your video is not is freezing. Are you have bad connectivity there? Probably. All I'm right. in Salt Lake City in a hotel. I would imagine. <laughs> so. <laughs> uh, so Billy's in Billy's in Salt Lake right now, and like he said, he didn't remember to pack his microphone, so he's using some. High quality headphones with a little, ear, with a little, a little earbuds with a little built-in microphone, and it's really working. I got a right microphone. Now. So if he's if he's not using bad mic technique or not plugging his microphone in, he's using Apple earbuds that come with every head with I every went phone. Everywhere that I could in the airport, I went to the iStore, which is like a ripoff of the Apple Store. <laughs> I went to, I even went to Brookstone, and nobody carries microphones <laughs> in the airport. 
I'm surprised. I, I, Nobody I had a microphone in the earphone. Express Spa. And I thought about stopping for a massage. What's that? Express Spa. Have you ever like? Oh, is that massage? the massage thing? No, I don't like having other people touch me. Well, that's unfortunate because it's a true joy. I've had Express Spa massages. Massages. My, my wife tried to talk me into one one time. We were traveling somewhere, and I don't know, I'd done something in my back. She said, "You go to the Express Spa." I said. Do you see those people over there? Do you think I want any of those people over there touching me in any way? And she said, and she knows how I am. She said, so she said, you just need to get over that. I just, there's no way that I'm getting a massage in an airport. Wait, but there are there deeper issues here. What's the problem with getting a massage in the airport? Because they're even weird. The, I mean, hello, a phone call. <laughs> Is it our friend? No. Is it your dinner date? It's my mom. Oh, my actual mom. Does Don't she, worry, I'm not when, answering. I'm, we're in the middle you, of the show. When you guys answering. are talking on the phone, she's, does she say, this is Laura Hollowell, Billy's mother calling. <laughs> Wait, but I want to talk about these issues that you have with being touched in the in the airport. Why is this? I, I don't like being touched, period. I mean, I'm like. Why? Is that like a, I, I just, does your skin I, like, burn? Does it I'll, feel. Like, I'll touch, like, my wife and I, I, I do <laughs> not like, like. I hope you touch your wife. Well, yeah. Well, we have three kids. <laughs> I had to beg her. Uh, that was not appropriate. <laughs> no, I like, I love wrestling with my kids. I like physical touch, like basketball. And you know, if it's like a sport, football, basketball, um, not wrestling. Uh, well, unless it's with my kids, but like uh, that kind of stuff. But like, as far as touching people in an airplane, I will lean as far into the aisle to get away from the person next to me as I possibly can. Cause how I'm many times so you hit the car? Like how oh, many times I, the car Oh, I get smacked every time. And Wait, it's not I only have that, to but sit on the aisle though, I can't sit on I, the inside. I can't, I, I can't handle. It. I have to pee, and then I have yeah. to. I can't ask people to get up well, nonstop. It's, it's awful. Not, well, it's not that for me. So I'm so incredibly uncomfortable in the middle seat or the window seats. To me, the window seat is worse than the middle seat because the window you get the wall there that's not moving. So I always Wait, go for so, an aisle. But, but I don't understand what your issue with being touched is. Is this something that happens? Really, it's no. It's just like it's like a. It's not a phobia. It's just I really dislike it. So I'll leave. You'll never get a massage in your life. You're gonna. No, I have had. I have no. I have had massages. <laughs> but usually from people that I've known, but I'm still incredibly uncomfortable it's when I have a massage, when I have a massage, I, it's actually I more awkward to be massaged by somebody that I know. Well, not like a friend, but somebody that I've used before, like somebody that my wife has, has gone to a few times. Oh, I've used that. Okay. so I mean that, not like it's not like a close friend though. I did have, oh, ow, excuse me. Oh, who's hitting mics now? Yeah. It's my, my professional mic technique. No, anyway, I'm, hey. I'm not a fan of it. Don't touch me. All right. Well, can we do an awkward transition? <laughs> so yeah, let me go, let me get. So I have to, I have to use the reason. Part of the reason we're stuck recording the way we are right now is I have to use this other iPad over here because, um, so over the weekend. Here's why we're recording late, <laughs> and then we'll get to your awkward transition. All right. We're recording late because Friday we went to the circus, and it was a blast. And we had we had a really good time, and it's like four o'clock in the afternoon. I'm thinking we'll be done by six. I can come home, record at seven, seven thirty, somewhere in there. And no, we decided that we, being the wife, decided that after the circus, <laughs> we'd go out to a nice family dinner at a sit down restaurant, and then go shopping, which means we didn't go home till after nine o'clock, and the kids were crashed in the car. So we had that happening. So and then um, Saturday we had fundraiser stuff all day long, and Sunday was Father's Day and other things going on. And the wife and children now are uh, three hours away camping in a trailer at a KOA without, in Idaho without me because my daughter has a basketball camp she goes to uh, over in, in Idaho. 
and it's a camp where people from our community go and they just take their campers they take their trailers or their fifth wheels or their motorhomes you guys and they park at this, at this koa yeah of trailer well it's a family one so it's we keep it at my folks's house but we use it a lot anyway so she's there with the children <laughs> hating every minute not hating every minute she likes being with the kids but my wife is not a camper she says camping is stupid I'm not a camper either. I think it's ridiculous. So. There's a reason we've progressed as a society. I don't think we need to be <laughs> so living out outside. She's doing that. So I told her, you know, one thing that I'll do to help keep the kids happy is I, on my, one of my iPads, I put a whole bunch of movies and they took that with them. So now everything is all functified over here. Listen, so. listen to this princess on one of my iPads. How many, how many iPads and touchscreens and computers do you have, Billy? Let's not talk about it. Okay, thank you. And did we buy ourselves a little gift this weekend? Um, all right, so... We have four iPads, but two of them are, in fairness, two of them have been dropped and are smashed. Have smashed screens, but so just, there's two because you're, because you're so well because you're so wealthy, you can just afford to just trash iPads and keep buying. And then new we ones. have two surfaces, <laughs> Surface right. Three. See exactly, <laughs> exactly. So I don't want to hear a word from you, Mister Man. Well, you know what? I, they were free. One of the iPads is free, so it doesn't count. Was well, the five finger discount or what? No, I. I traveled so much at one point for the Blaze that I had like extra. We used to get this incentive. Oh, that's program. right. That's right. That's right. That's right. I, got, <laughs> and I was able to turn it into Amazon bucks, and then I bought an iPad. I did that. That's how I got this iMac that I have here. Oh, okay, princess. You got a much nicer thing than I did. Jeez, an iMac. I don't keep going around buying a bunch of iPads and then breaking them and buying new ones as though no, they're like tissues. My, I broke one of them, and my kid broke the other one. <laughs> Which kid? Ava. Oh, the the angel. The, oh my god she uh, yes the angel okay. i was just <laughs> reminded because you were complaining about ava the other day I'm, um, I'm thinking you know and then it and then it struck me and i had i don't know if i've ever shared i don't know if i've ever shared this with you has your kid ever had on purpose almost had C child protective services give you a call no oh. not yet yeah mm. uh, uh my daughter when we lived in virginia <laughs> I think she was three, maybe four, but I think three. She's at a daycare not far from where we lived and is at a church and really nice folks and everything. And she, um, she had pink eye at school and we didn't realize that she had it when we took her. And then we get a call middle of the morning. Your daughter has pink eye. We need you to come get her. It's like, oh, okay. So I left work and went and got her. And, uh, when I went and picked her up, the, the wonderful lady who runs the daycare name is Denise. She says to me, she said, I want you to know. We didn't call <laughs> Child Protective Services. We trust you guys. We we know you. We know you. We we believe that you know you would never do anything to hurt your kids. We want. I want to tell you that before I tell you what your daughter did. <laughs> she said. I. She said. We we have no worries at all. But if it had been any other family, we might have had to call CPS. <laughs> so her eyes all red. And again, we didn't know she had pink eye when we took her to school. And. Um, and uh, so she says, yeah, your daughter's got pink eyes. So we asked her, we said, Izzy, your eyes all red. What, what happened to your eye? And, and Izzy, my... <laughs> Izzy says to her, she goes, my, my mommy poked me in the eye and pushed me down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> Why do they make stuff up? I don't know. The daycare people got a big kick out of that, though. So, oh, yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> that could have been a problem if you didn't know that. Ava's doing this thing now where she is suddenly like, well, not suddenly. She's always been mildly belligerent, but now, but now there's like form to it, and it's actually oh. amazing. But you can't laugh. 
<laughs> like the other day, my mother-in-law said to her, stop throwing that ball. She was throwing a ball in the house she shouldn't have been throwing. And she said, I've had enough. I'm not coming back to this house anymore. And my mother-in-law's like, okay, then tell your mother to take off all week and stay home with you. Because <laughs> she watches her. She's like, I will not do that. Like, she's just talks Oh, no. She said to me the other day, I want a new daddy. Uh, did you tell and her? So, did you tell her Italian? Did you tell her her Italian was showing? We tell her that all the time. So Andrea, my wife, opened the door and said, "Go ahead, walk out and find a new daddy." No, she's like, "No," and then she says, "I'm kids, sorry, I'm sorry. Be happy, be happy." Kids You're are like, the that worst. really hurt my feelings. Kids are the worst. She says the craziest. She said something the other day. Oh, you're not my best friend anymore. And then she told me, "You're not letting me do anything anymore." And I'm like, "You just spent the whole day having fun." Did she Why say? Do you- did she say it with that accent? Yes. Oh my goodness. Yeah, totally. Now she's got. A, she has a New York accent, and she's not a even little like, bit. A little bit, yeah. That's great. That's crazy. <laughs> it's, it's pathetic, but yeah, it's, she's very cute. She's been very good, actually, overall. Even though she has these little like <laughs> t- tell, telling us moments of telling us off. Um, Why well, she said something else the other day too that was just re- completely uh, ridiculous. Man. But All there right. you go. Anyway, but she hasn't said that we've thrown her down the stairs yet. So you win. <laughs> she poked me in the <laughs> eye and pushed me down the stairs. All right. Oh, here you go. Here we go. Here we go. Is that loud enough for you? So, Don, can I just, I want to marinate on something here for a minute. Is anybody finding it ironic that Donald Trump, who no longer has his show, The Apprentice, (laughs) has found a way to still publicly fire somebody? (laughs) That was like the story of the day today. That's that's about all they could talk about on CNN today. I had CNN on my TV all day today. That's Um, all they could talk about. You know, first of all, this is kind of a long time coming, and there were rumors after the Michelle... The alleged assault right. uh, on Michelle Fields that that you know he was being downgraded in the campaign and all that. So I'm not shocked by it, <clears throat> but it is problematic yeah. going into a general election that you know when you're up against um, you know Billary, yeah, and it's going to be tough. Yep, eh, I don't know, but it's well, and it's I mean like Lewandowski. <laughs> I don't know how <laughs> much you know he's campaign manager, but I don't know how much campaign managing he really did. He was really somebody said, and I maybe it was. I don't know, some writer somewhere said he's pretty much a glorified body man, it seemed to me. Because, like, Trump's doing his own thing. Trump goes out and he does his Trumpiness, right? I don't think that there's a whole lot of strategy behind it. it. I mean, there's, I mean, all you can do is just kind of make sure that he's, you know, getting to the next thing on time. That's about it. I mean, Trump does whatever Trump wants to do. And so the, right. the idea that Corey Lewandowski is managing the campaign is a joke. Anyway, whoever's going to be managing the campaign isn't going to be actually managing anything. So... But Lewandowski, you know, kind of got lost his job and then got his job back with the whole Michelle Fields thing. But I, I don't know what was he really doing. I, he, got, I don't know what he's doing. I, what was what what I don't know. There was nothing well, nothing great about him. Also, is this is it possible that this could be being used as an opportunity for press too? That they were planning on doing this for a while. But they sort of waited. It might, I'm, but you know what? Did you read the stories about his kids, about Trump's kids? I saw, yeah, that they, they were basically they were the ones pushing for Lewandowski to get out of there. I'll tell they you one thing. Out. I'll like tell you who I would listen a, to in the Trump family. Trump's it? kids. What's that? I said I'll tell you who I would listen to in the Trump family. His kids. They're all very. I will say this about him, and I, it was something that Robert Jeffers, Pastor Robert Jeffers, said, and. Now, I don't always agree with the things that Pastor Robert Jeffers says, <laughs> but he did say in an, in an interview that we did with him actually on the show. Yeah, you know, and, and I think it's a compelling and an interesting point, but it, there's a limit to it. But if you were to judge Trump based on his kids, right? Um, 
I would say, you know, that he'd be get good marks. I mean, his kids yeah. are very compelling, very smart. They're yep. very, yep. they're hardworking. You know, there, there's not, there are no red flags about Trump's children. Right. Well, uh, that we can see publicly. I mean, th- as far as we right. know, there are there's nothing. I mean, there's this. He seems to. It, they have the appearance of being a good family as far as the kids go, you know. And he seems to have a re- a, a decent relationship with his ex wife, with the kids' mom, and so I don't know. It's but it's really weird. And the whole the the story today with Lewandowski was so strange. All of it was weird. I mean, you fire, if you're gonna fire Lewandowski, if, if you don't want it to be the take to dominate the news headlines of the day you do it on saturday or you do it sunday mid-morning start the week with it unless you want to dominate the week right mid-morning you know right after the news shows all happen and so it dies over the weekend but instead they it's announced monday morning when reporters on a slow news day are looking for something to talk about seems weird seems weird to me let's take let's take a break Okay, let me find the right spot here on the on the uh, soundboard. Let me get, get to this because I'm highly technical and professional. You want to take a break, you say? <coughs> I do. All right. Well, is your dinner date ready yet? I have to go to the bathroom. Oh. <laughs> Let's go. We've got to go potty. Okay, we'll be right back. The founder of this company... 10 years ago, was trying to sell his house. He's, you know, he's kind of an important guy. And he said to his wife, if this is what it's like for us, how do people who have no clout ever get around this? So he started a company and it went into business, I think three years ago. Their deal is, their word is their bond. And they are people that listen to this show. They are just like you. Now, how can I say that? Because I'm the founder of the company. Realestateagentsitrust.com. The church boys. Man, I eat these guys. Now, Billy, I'm going to apologize before we go any further here. I, I keep messing up on the audio board. Thing. I have had no sleep uh, in the last 48 hours or so. My With my family gone, I don't sleep well when my family's not around, especially when my wife's not around. Like when I go on, when I travel for business and I stay at a hotel, don't sleep well at all. Like And last night, because I get up at 5 every morning, I, I was up till 2 o'clock at least. I went. I forced myself to go to bed like at one, and I laid there and tossed and turned till at least two. So I texted my wife, who's like, as I said, camping, and I said, oh, "I was a terrible." I, I said, "I can't stand it when you guys are gone. I had a terrible night's sleep. I get, I didn't sleep at all." She goes, "She texts back. She goes, you didn't get any sleep,' because <laughs> she's got a, a nine-year-old and a five-year-old and a two-year-old sleeping with her in the trailer, and the two-year-old is sleeping on the same bed she's on, and it's a bed that's the cushions are essentially tissue paper." And she said, I'd forgotten what it's like to sleep on plywood. This sounds awful. Oh, Everything about this experience sounds horrible. It's, it's enjoyable. If you don't, my, my, the thing I hate about it is I hate setting up the trailer. Like, that's the thing that I, I hate. I hate the prep work for camp. I enjoy being camping. Like, if we're at the campground or whatever, being in the trailer. I, mean, I like a fire. Living, I like a fire pit. I like fire. I don't like anything else. <laughs> living in the trailer is fine. Doing the camping thing is fine for an extent for, you know, for not, you don't want to do it for forever, but I, I enjoy it. I hate the prep work for it. I hate prepping the food. I hate prepping the clothes. I hate prepping the trailer, setting, setting up the trailer. I hate even more taking down the trailer, cleaning the trailer, cleaning the clothes, cleaning everything up after you're all done. It's She's all such a awful. Whiner. I am a whiner. 
It's like you guys are camping. <clears throat> this cough is making me crazy. Do you realize that 90% of the shows are taped? I have a cough. I know. something wrong with you. Did you get a – you went to the doctor for that, didn't you? I just got a physical. I just had a physical. I'm in great <laughs> health. Around yeah, right. My doctor, sure. Wait, my doctor <laughs> called You're me. just lying now. Hold on. No, my doctor called me. This or... is no joke. Uh-huh. He's like – and he's Italian. So he has this thick Italian accent. He's like – thick New York accent, not Italian. But he's like, he's like, well, believe it or not, your cholesterol's good. Believe it or not – like, I know I'm a fatty, but, like, come on. Believe it or not, your cholesterol is good. I love it. <laughs> um, but, no, everything was allegedly great. No, see, I, um, I don't believe that. Why do you want me to die? I, mean, I don't want like, you to. It's not a matter of wanting. I'm just like facing, septic, re, it's just like, facing reality. I'm sure, I'm sure that you've got some sort of horrible disease. I mean, you're going to die early of some of a cor, have a coronary. I mean, that's just how it is. I, <coughs> so, in my weekly discussions with Andrea, the, your health often comes up. Because we have that phone. We have, a picture of me sleeping. We have a phone call about every Sunday. It's every Sunday night, every weekend. Did you we not have a phone yourself when she took a picture of me sleeping. I've laughed and laughed and laughed. And I said, "JC, you got to see this." She didn't even tell me about it. I found it on my phone. <laughs> I just loved it. She goes, "What? What'd she say?" What? <laughs> it's it, oh, crap. Now I got to find it here on my phone. But she it said, was it was I funny. Of me sleeping, and it said, "You're welcome, Andrea." <laughs> yes, yeah, you're welcome, Andrea. <laughs> and it took me a second to figure out why did. Why does it say Andrea on there? And then I'm like, oh, she's she snuck <laughs> his phone. And anyway, I love your wife. I really oh, do. She's great. She's a TV show. Let me tell yeah. you. Um, <clears throat> she's Italian. You know, she's quite Italian. Uh, she is. She's quite an Italian. She makes good meatballs and has uppers sometimes, but it's wonderful. <laughs> she doesn't have any uppers. She's pretty good. She's she's a good egg. Has she ever killed anybody? No. She, well, I'm not going to. Has tell she the story, hired? But... Has she hired to have anybody killed? She has not. Okay. She's done some. She's has she done, done any con- Has she done any contract work? In her younger years, she did one thing. She'd be so embarrassed if I oh, said really? it. Oh, really? Can you can you can you tell the story <laughs> but use other names so we can say it's somebody else? That no, it? because no, because it. I'll t- I'm going to tell it next week. I'm going to talk to her about it and I'm going to tell it. Okay, if she'll let. She you. might be proud of it. She actually okay. talks about it like she's proud of it still, oh, really? which is embarrassing. But <clears throat> oh, she agreed to come on the show. Your wife we had this did conversation. Yes. And she's off this summer because she's a teacher. Right, so she, she right. said she would like to come on and share stories about me. Oh, nice. I would I love to talk to her on the show. I think it would be fantastic. I and she can that. curse all she wants to. Yeah, she doesn't curse that much, sadly. Huh? I don't sadly? Know why she's sadly. <laughs> sadly. Well, I don't know why it's such a thing. I actually, I will sometimes say <laughs> the S word yeah. when I'm very frustrated. Right. Like, I actually said it to you today. Right. Um, when you were talking about your when you were like, talking about your dinner date, your impending dinner date. <laughs> <laughs> um, <clears throat> so, oh, we have an interview. That's what we we're supposed oh, that's to right. do. We're yeah, sorry. So ADHD. I know. Okay, no, so no, 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 no. That's hyperactivity. We're ADD. <laughs> <laughs> that requires movement to be ADHD. <laughs> I'm, I'm fairly movie. Uh, yeah. If you're, if you, if you consider movement, picking up your diet coke and zipping it. <laughs> Yeah, there we go. Um, all right, we have an okay, interview. So be, and then, and let's tease. Let's when we come back from the interview, we got our douchebag of the month. Douchebag of the week, and it's not Chris Field. It time. isn't. It's not me or a or Donald Trump. <clears throat> so we have this interview with this guy Chris Mitchell. He works for CBN News. He is the Jerusalem bureau chief. He's been there for like fifteen, working for fifteen years in the Middle East. Um, he lives in Israel, and he's got this new book out called Destination Jer- Jerusalem. I don't know why I stuttered that. Destination Jerusalem, ISIS, covert or die, 
converted to what? Am what, I what is wrong today? with you? What What's is going on? Are you having a stroke? Wait, I'm gonna I need to call your doctor. I'm, gonna I'm trying you, to hold my I had a call. physical this week. I'm in perfect <laughs> health. Destination Jerusalem. ISIS converted <laughs> or die. Christian persecution in preparing for the days ahead. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> now, does he, want, is he one of these? Did you talk to him for your book? No, I should have. I, I should talked have. to him, though, about his book. Uh, and really, it's some interesting stuff about what he's seen over in the Middle East in covering these issues for more than a decade. So we're just going to – I'm going to stop talking because I clearly can't get a sentence out. Mm-hmm. We're just going to roll it. It's Billy Hollowell here with the Church Boys, and I'm excited to have Chris Mitchell on the line. He's the Middle East Bureau Chief for CBN News and the author of ISIS, Iran, and Israel, What You Need to Know About the Current Mideast Crisis and the Coming Mideast War. How you doing today, Chris? Hey, great, Billy. It's great to be with you. From well, here in Jerusalem, all the way back to you. Well, and I'm jealous that you're over in Jerusalem. You know, I've I've not been. I have not been there, and I've been dying to to be there. And you've lived there for gosh, fifteen, sixteen years now. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. Almost sixteen years. Be sixteen years in August. We came in uh, August of two thousand. My wife and three children. And uh, let me tell you what my wife says about uh, being in Israel. She says before you come here, reading the Bible is like reading it in black and white. But after you come here. It's like reading it in color. So uh, you need to come here, Billy. I know, I know. I'm I'm dying to, and I love, I love that, and I love that you guys have been there. Yeah. It's amazing. And well, let's let's dive into to the book. Why did you write the book? Tell me a little bit about the motivation. What set you on that course? Sure. Well, I, uh, part of the motivation, a lot of it came from uh, the end of last year. We had the opportunity to go to Kurdistan and uh, report on a number of stories. One of the stories we reported on was. Um, being with the Kurdish military called the Peshmerga. And we had the opportunity to go with a man named General Karzan to one of the forward positions of the military. And they were about 500 meters from ISIS. And when I was at that observation post, being that close to ISIS, uh, I really had this palpable sense that I was in the front lines of the free world. And that what I was looking at was darkness and tyranny. Uh, Where I was, was was light and freedom. And I think that, to me, that was just a description of the kind of war that we're facing with radical Islam, and especially with groups like ISIS. Is, um, and so I felt that experience, plus being with Yazidis that had been persecuted, Christians that had been persecuted, uh, I, I felt it was important to help people understand what's happening in the Middle East, to give them sort of a firsthand account uh, and the privileges that, that we've had as reporters to be on the front lines and meet people face-to-face that are going through what we read about on the headlines, and I'd be able to share that. And so a book form uh, was sort of an expanded version of many of the stories we do for the 700 Club and CBN News. And uh, so when I came back from there, and then as well as many of the other major geopolitical events, the Iranian nuclear deal, the Russians coming into the Middle East like never before, uh, I wanted to help try to explain those for people, uh, especially in the United States. What would you say, I mean, you've had a first-hand experience in Israel covering all of this. What would you say is your biggest fear about the current situation in Israel, especially in light of the projections and the fears that people have about what's to come? Well, I think the biggest fear, perhaps, that I know Israelis have, and especially Israeli leaders, and I would agree to that, would be the <laughs> Iranian uh, nuclear program. Uh, when there was a, an agreement in, uh, in the summer of 2015, Maybe some people breathe a sigh of relief that, okay, now the Iranian nuclear program doesn't pose a threat anymore. But I think, on the contrary, here in Israel, and, I, and what I write in the book, 
it could make things even far worse uh, because Iran has consistently lied about their nuclear program. Uh, they have a covert nuclear program, and many people believe, and for example, we interviewed Senator Tom Cotton here in Jerusalem, uh, that Iran may be on the path to a nuclear weapon, either by abiding by this agreement, which ends in 10 or 15 years, or by pursuing their um, covert nuclear program. And uh, he warns that this could lead to nuclear proliferation in the Middle East, and it could lead to hundreds or literally <coughs> tens of millions of deaths. So that's the big fear, I think. ISIS is a great threat, but it still uh, is not the greatest threat. I think Iran's nuclear program would be the number one threat. Well, yeah, and it's. I think it's sort of intriguing when you hear the differences between Democrats and Republicans, at least stereotypically, when they talk about these issues. Um, one side yeah. thinking that, that that agreement was, you know, great, and the other side thinking that yeah. not so much. Um, well, let me let me ask you this, and you mentioned this a little bit ago. Russia's activities inside of Syria, I think <laughs> Russia's increased activities in the Middle East in general have raised some red flags, particularly among Christians, and when you get into the theology yeah. of the end times and all that. But but when we talk practically about what's happening right now, what are you seeing with Russia's activities there in the Middle East, specifically in Syria, and, and what does that tell us about their maybe overarching goals? Yeah, well, the, the Russians coming into the Syrian civil war in a major way was probably one of the biggest geopolitical changes in the Middle East in a long time. Uh, and a lot of obviously it brings up a lot of pr prophetic uh, angles that uh, a lot of people are concerned about, especially from uh, Ezekiel 38-39. I think what you could um, attribute Russia coming in would be the fact that uh, the United States really um, withdrew from uh, the Middle East in a great way and had left a vacuum. And Russia and Vladimir Putin were the ones to seize on that opportunity, and, and they have come in. And they have literally become uh, probably the biggest policemen now in the Middle East and not the United States. And for we had uh, typically foreign policy for the United States, been one of the number one issues was to keep out the Russians and uh, for decades. And uh, many presidents and administrations had been successful in that. And I think it was the, um, I guess, the <laughs> lack of leadership and the lack of involvement in the Middle East left that vacuum by the Obama administration. Putin filled it, and I think that has left other nations here in the Middle East scrambling. And there's a chapter I read in the book called Middle East Game of Thrones, where now, because of the superpower of the United States not being the number one force in the Middle East, you have nations like Saudi Arabia and Israel, ironically, getting closer to each other because they see Iran as a mutual threat, and so there's a shifting going on in the Middle East, and that's what I try to talk about in the book and help explain. Now, when we talk about Ezekiel, and, the, and specifically 36 to 39, those chapters, I recently worked on a book that was released last month called Armageddon Code. Um, and you know, when you get into that whole discussion and you start to look at it and you have the debate about whether or not Ezekiel, who wrote that book 2,500 years ago, is projecting into a future event, a series of events that have not yet happened or that maybe part of it happened in 1948 and the other part um, has mm -hmm. it, the Gog and Magog part. Where do you stand on that and how do you see the current events as maybe meshing with that? Well, first of all, I, I, I look forward to seeing your book, uh, Armageddon Code. It sounds fascinating. Uh, but I think that when Israel, I mean, when Russia has come in now in such a major way into the Middle East, and especially 
on Israel's northern border, you just have to look at what's happening in the natural and the geopolitics of the region and read Ezekiel 38 and wonder if this is starting to unfold before our very eyes. And I, I, I think I don't see the Russians leaving anytime soon. They have entrenched themselves militarily. There has been talk, Putin said a few months ago, that they were withdrawing, but they still have a major military presence uh, in the region and in, involved in the Syrian civil war. And I think that that alone, I think, has made a great difference and a big change, um, not only geopolitically, but prophetically. So when you look at those, what's happening, and also read Ezekiel 38, and I thought you see it beginning to unfold and beginning to materialize. Yeah, and it really is fascinating. And I, I've said this in a number of interviews, but I know a lot of people, even Christians, will say, no, 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 those chapters have from 36 to 39 have already happened, and we're just looking for things that aren't there. But it's very strange to me that somebody would write, a prophet would write something 2,500 years ago about Israel being regathered and about this coalition of nations that would rise against mm-hmm. Israel. And you have the first, per, outside of the nation from the north, which let's say we don't know who that is, um, although many believe mm-hmm. it's Russia, you have the first right. country listed as Persia, right? So to me, yeah. it's so it, it's almost, if you brought a statistician in to, to, to look at the, the chances that the current events could possibly line up with something written 2,500 years ago, I would imagine the chances are virtually zero that that could happen. So how are we then looking at this with so many people denying that something is going on there? I just find it fascinating. It, no, I would agree. And I think that uh, you, you just... Look at the Bible in one hand and look at the headlines, uh, whether it's a newspaper or an Internet uh, news site, and you have to see a connection there sometimes. And, you know, Billy, I was just interviewing somebody yesterday who's doing a book on, and what they're doing is they're taking pictures from about 100 years ago during the British Mandate period, these old black and white photographs, and they're trying to go to the very same spot, the very same angle, and take photographs to see what's happening now, more than 100 years later. And they're doing it because they have read Ezekiel 36. And Ezekiel 36 says that when the Jewish people return to the land, the land will begin to blossom. And that's exactly what we're seeing here in the last 100 years. And that's, to me, again, one of the prophetic signs that you see unfolding. And when you come to Israel, Billy, you'll see it for yourself. Uh, You can see the land itself bloom, and that's exactly what Ezekiel 36 says. What happened and what they're doing with this particular book is they're literally documenting how it was barren, desolate more than 100 years ago, and now it's blossoming and fruitful today. Well, listen, Chris, this has been great. My, my last question for you, my last question for you is what do you want people to take away from the book? What are you hoping the biggest element, the biggest fact maybe, or just sentiment that, that readers will take away would be? I think I'd, I'd give three, Bill, if that's okay. First of sure. all, uh, I want people to be like the sons of Issachar, to understand the times and know what Israel should do. And that's uh, part of the reason for the book, to help understand what is often a complicated uh, subject and make it understandable for people who are may see the news day by day and wonder what's going on. The other thing is I want to help tell Christians in the West what's happening to their brothers and sisters uh, in the Middle East. I was in a church service in Erbil, Kurdistan, an evangelical church service like maybe many of our listeners are had been in before. And uh, the music was a bit different, but the same Holy Spirit was there that is in many uh, evangelical church services around the United States. And I prayed a prayer then that I would be a conduit to help tell the story of these persecuted brothers and sisters. And that's a large part of the book um, right now, is is to help people 
identify with them, speak up for them, pray for them, and do what they can to support our brothers and sisters. 1 Corinthians 12, 26 says, when one part of the body suffers, we all suffer. The final thing, uh, Billy, would be that I, I want people to help be prepared for the days ahead. Uh, the last chapter in the book says, a time for war. My mom and dad went through World War II, and I talk about the letters they wrote to each other. And they survived their war, but I believe that we need to understand we're in a war against radical Islam. It takes different forms. It could be Iran nuclear program. It could be ISIS and their barbaric uh, things that they do. But we need to understand that we need to be prepared for that. We need to gird our loins. We need to watch and pray. And we need to prepare uh, for the days that we're living in right now. Well, listen, this has been great. And I really appreciate you coming on. We definitely have to have you back again. Sounds great, Billy. Love to be with you. Thanks a lot. Back to the church boys. All right, we are back for our final segment. Billy's got to head out. He's got a hot dinner date over in Salt Lake. I, who knew he even knew anybody in Salt Lake other than the geniuses? Everywhere I go, other than I the end ge- up with friends. Other than the geniuses who hired him. <laughs> they obviously have poor taste, you know, poor, poor taste in people. Did you see, somebody tweeted something about how excited they were to be starting working with you and I let them have it on Twitter. Um, uh, oh yeah. So we don't have, we haven't done a Billy Hallowell's outrage of the week in a long time. So this is our douchebag of the month. Do you want to, should this be Billy Hallowell's outrage of the week? Yeah. No, this is my outrage. This pastor. Let me, oh, oh, got it. We got to do the correct professional intro. Oh, of, go ahead. Okay, just a minute. Billy Hallowell's Outrage of the Week. Can that? I go now? Can you, I talk you now? You sure can. Pastor, this pastor, Pastor Roger Jimenez. Is that his name? Roger Jimenez? Do <laughs> I have that right? Yeah, sure. Roger Jimenez. Of Verity right. Baptist Church in Sacramento. This is the guy who said, I mean, some of his quotes are just awful. Um, let me just read one of them. People say like, well, aren't you sad that 50 sodomites died? Jeez. Here's the problem with that. A, it's like the equivalent of asking me, what if you ask me, hey, are you sad that 50 pedophiles were killed today? A, um, no, I think that's great. I think that helps society. You know, I think Orlando, Florida is a little, little safer tonight. Um, but, and then it goes on and on and on. It's just awful. I mean, we all know about this. If you don't know about it, go to the blaze, check it out. Um, this pastor's comments, um, about what happened in Orlando Here's the thing. This is the kind of crap that makes people hate Christians. This is the kind of crap but that that's not, one... What? But, that's, but that's not a Christian thing to say. Yes. That's what I'm at saying. Least, right. It's the misperception of what Christians... It's not what Christians believe. It's the assumption of what people think they believe, and then it gets perpetuated, and everybody in media has been covering the story. Yep. Um, now, Samuel Rodriguez, who we've had on the show a couple of times, he said he condemns the, enti- he condemns the entire presentation. Right. Um, you know, he spoke out. Others have spoken out. But it doesn't matter because somebody like this goes out and says something, um, and this pastor has defended it after that. There's yeah. nothing Christian about this. This is not Christian. You do not say that you – look, these are human beings. You may not agree with their lifestyle yeah. or their choices. They're human beings, okay? Yeah. That, and, 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 and people and, died. And he said – and then he goes – uh, let's see. You're never allowed to have an opinion that goes against mainstream society. Well, wishing for the death of people and celebrating their death is is rarely a, a thing we 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 celebrate. And then he said he went on to say people when people who deserve to die when people die who deserve to die it's not a tragedy. That's what this that's what this douche says. Well, uh, 
And listen, can I just add? Wait, go ahead. I, I need to say this because he actually titled this ridiculous sermon "The Christian Response to the Orlando Murders." Okay, and then also said Jeez. in this ridiculous, absurd sermon from the pits of hell. Let me just <laughs> borrow a quote from Robert Jeffers that quote: "I wish the government would round them all up, put them up against a firing wall." Put a firing squad in front of them and blow their brains out. This is not Christian. It's actually no. the polar opposite of Christian. Right. It's that's not the Christian response to to this. That is an unchristian response. And then he follows up where he he contradicts himself, or it seems like he's contradicting himself. Well, he's he talked about how great this massacre is. Then he says, in fact, the gunman that went in there, he deserved to die because he killed those people. We shouldn't be mourning his death either. Well, shouldn't if you're celebrating the death of those people, you're celebrating the killing of them. Shouldn't you be celebrating the person who did the thing you're celebrating? I I don't. What a dick. I'm sorry. Well, I'm not sorry. You don't call for people to be killed. You don't no. call. Look, you know what you do. You go out and you love people and you minister to them. And you try to tell them what the gospel is and you hope that they change. And if they right. don't change, they don't change. That's their choice. You don't wish that anybody death. You wouldn't say this about a group of alcoholics or anybody else who no. you believe is living in a, a sinful lifestyle. You wouldn't say this about any other human being. Right. It's disgusting. Right. It's I, disgusting. I totally agree. I totally agree. Totally and, and, and it, but what what makes me mad about it though is that it gives the image, it gives all the fuel to the people over at every blog that monitors what they think conservatives yep. believe. It gives them fuel to the ridiculous fire of their stupidity. So now everybody's stupid, and they're all doing it together. It's awful. It's horrible. It really fires me up. I think it's disgusting. It is. It's sick. Well, I I don't know what I don't know what to add to what you've said. I've got an ad blocker. I'm just noticing this now. I've got an ad blocker running on a site i'm not going to tell you what site right now i have blocked in just the amount of time we've been talking uh 3447 ads in just the short amount of time well on just one site that is really amazing <laughs> what's wait can i just add one more thing yeah Jimenez told the sacramento b oh. on tuesday quote we've received a lot of threats but there are a lot of people out there who agree with what I'm saying. No. Yes, there are people who commit <laughs> terrible attacks, apparently, on people. Who agrees with you? Who? I, I, that's, uh... <clears throat> Wait, and then it's the victim. Of, in America, you're no longer allowed to have an opinion that goes against mainstream society. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, you're, I, <sighs> you, you are allowed to have a bad opinion. However... You cannot call yourself Christian and have that opinion and actually be accurately calling yourself a Christian. I mean, that's, it's just, he's just stupid. And and I know that I sound like I'm at a loss for words because I am. This is just asinine, dickish, douchebag, stupid behavior. When people Period. die who deserve to die, it's not a tragedy. Yeah, it's, that's yeah. Don't that's we all technically deserve to at some point die because of our well, sin? Die, quote unquote, die. I think he's using the the term death when we talk about in a spiritual sense is yeah. not what he's talking about. Here. No, no, he's he's. When I say die, that's not what I'm talking. He, about. No, he's just a jerk. So. It's a turd. He's a turd. He is. All right, so. Speaking of tur- speaking of turds, you got a big hot date you got to go to now, so we got to cut off. So this show is a little bit abbreviated, but we'll put another one out here this week sometime. By the way, if you if you haven't already, if you're listening to this show, if you haven't already, go to iTunes, subscribe to this show in iTunes, give us a good review, give us one of those five star reviews. We've had a couple more people come in and do reviews, and it's been great, and it helps our average. We love it, we appreciate it. 
but you know, listen harder, do those things. And that helps us out, helps us out a ton as we try to grow this show. And we would love to, we've had some, some quote fans express interest in us making this more than a once a week show. Cause we do the free falls during the week, but the, you know, the regular episodes are about once a week and they would like for us to do more. And we would love to do more of them if we had the time to, the time to do it but if we can get the resources then we can it'll help us make the time to do it so if we can show that there's a demand to do that that'll help us out a lot so go to us go to our uh the church boys on itunes find us there give us a five-star review <coughs> and and subscribe to the podcast on itunes that always helps as well this show's not going anywhere no we're also on google play we're on stitcher we're on unless i'm raptured we're on iheart which isn't happening which means the show's not going anywhere the show's good to go. <laughs> we, should, we should be okay. If we're depending on you being raptured for the show to end, we're, we're going to be going on for a long time. <laughs> oh, well, that's probably true. All right. Well, you got to get to your dinner date. Say hi to your little friend for me. Our our little friend. Goodbye, princess. So uh, you, I heard that um, I hear you've got a special friend joining you and our special friend today, too. Do you know who it is? so creepy. So creepy. We're the most unprofessional podcast in the world. <laughs> we talk about our friends like they don't listen. Well, they don't. But uh, I don't understand. <laughs> the Church Boys.